So you wanna watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's dark. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. This week, we're talking about our first guest choice episode, and oddly, our most recent edition. The recommendation comes from filmmaker Steven Steinbacher, and I think I can say unequivocally, it is by far the weirdest film we've covered on the show. It's 2002's Reflections of Evil, directed and starring Damon Packard. Jared, where do we begin with this one? Where do we begin? I think I'll begin with a mini circle back. The whole Katrina week, Longworth of it all. <laughs> last week we had Tatan, and we were like, this is the weirdest movie we've ever covered on the show. And then, of course, we get into this, which is even stranger and even more fucking weird than Tatan. It's what I would call, and I think I've heard other people refer to it as uh, anti-cinema. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny, too. I don't know if you remember this, but last week I mentioned how I have been more open to strangeness in cinema in these recent years. Little did I know that Steven and the Dart and the Fates were like, oh, really, asshole? Well, we're going to put you to the test. You just said you're more down with strangeness and weirdness and absurdity. How about this? And we'll see how we felt about it as we get into it, man. Yeah, this is like a corner of the film universe that I feel like you only access if you are a certain level of film nerd. And Mm -hmm. it took someone like Steven to get this in front of us. And I appreciate him for that. We'll get into our overall thoughts on it as we go. But I am, I am, if I can say anything extremely positive right out of the gate, it's that I'm glad to know this exists. Yes. And I'm glad to know that this corner of the film universe is there. Regardless of our opinions of this movie, and like you're saying, we'll get into it. I would not have known this existed, I don't think, if not for Stephen bringing it to our attention. So correct. at the very least, we know. So thank you, Stephen, for that. Um, fuck you for a whole lot of other things. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> let's be laughing his ass off right now. If he ever he's been telling to this me episode. at work. So I told him that we hit this and, and he was like, oh, my God, I cannot wait to hear this episode. Yeah. <laughs> because he, I, he knew he knew what he was doing when he put yeah, this on. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. And in <laughs> Steven's defense, he said, it's it's crazy. You've never seen anything like it. Oh, and yeah. He's not wrong. He is not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we get to that, let's talk about where the board sits currently. At number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. Number two, Ikiru. Number three, today's episode, Reflections of Evil. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Night Moves. Number 14, The Crowded Kid. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, The Terminator. Stumbling, bumbling all the way through that thing. It's tough with those good night, night moves. It's like, 
you know, maybe we should petition the board to slide one of the numbers down. No. But that's against that's no. against the philosophy of the show. No. We cannot. We made that, that mistake one time, that. one time, and you already have to apologize to fucking Mark Ruffalo yeah. at the end of every still. episode because of it. So, dude, what was what was that like? Episode four that happened, and I'm still early. needing to apologize. It was very early, but it was when we got to the exterminating angel. I know that. Oh my god, that was a while ago. Also, a weird movie though. So interestingly yeah. enough, but um. You kind of mentioned it a bit earlier, Drew, that this was Steven's choice this week, and that's how it got on the board, and he's probably kind of fucking with us a little bit with this one, and he probably has some idea of our what our reactions are going to be to it. I wanted to ask you, with that in mind and what Steven said as a preface to this when he brought it up on, on that episode, which was the M episode, if anyone wants to hear when Steven pitched this, did you have any preconceived notions about this movie beyond what Steven said before firing it up this week? Well, knowing Steven and knowing his uh, interest in kind of splatter horror and just, you know, kind of the the most absurdly gory and kind of horrific horror stuff, like, I, like I've heard him mention stuff like that all the time. And he watches, like, I, I think a lot of, like, the stuff that, you know, he's interested in is just these these niche corners of, of that universe. So... In my mind, when he put it on and and the way that he prefaced it with like, I want to challenge you a little bit kind of thing, I assumed that this was going to be off-putting in a different way. I knew that it was going to be weird, but I guess I anticipated it being more of a endurance test kind of movie. And it is that, but not in the sense that I thought, which was like in terms of violence. This movie is not is you know this movie has some of that and there is some you know gross out stuff and there is you know stuff that that challenges you that way but I think the endurance test of this movie is more can you endure being in the psychology of this character slash potentially filmmaker for two and you know 15 minute two hours and 15 minutes or you know close to 230 honestly uh, it feels like more yeah. I get what you're saying. So you're saying it's it was not an endurance test of on violence. It was an endurance test on angst and and like aggression and energy. Yeah, it's, it's just an upsetting energy to this movie. It's yeah. not like the imagery is not particularly upsetting. I mean, like yeah. I said, there is some of that. Yeah, there is some. Yeah, but I, I I agree with what you're trying to say. It's not the pr- the it's not the principle. I'm just saying we're not watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre here. You know, right. like we're not watching like like a movie that is intended to like freak you out with how viscerally violent it is. Right. Um, it, it has, again, it has gross out stuff. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but like it's more just like the energy of this movie is, is upsetting where like you're just sitting there for like two hours of this guy just walking down the street and screaming at people. And it's like, like, I, I don't I don't really know how to talk about this. It's going to be a really bizarre conversation, I think, because it's a very difficult movie to package. But I I kind of had a very similar experience to you in terms of my expectations with this. I mean, let's also remember Stephen in the intro questionnaire. We asked him what his favorite cinema experience was, and he mentioned how he and I believe his fiance at the time or or some, they they drove to 
some obscure movie theater to see this very rare print of this very strange horror film. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like you, it seems, bracing myself for uh, unsettling and extreme violence. And for that reason, I was kind of uh, putting the movie off a little bit this week. I'm just being like, oh, not tonight, not tonight. <laughs> I can't, I can't deal with unsettling, extreme, bizarre blah 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 but then when the movie started i was like oh he means this type of unsettling so Uh it was a really fun kind of twist on just me kind of over analyzing the words he used to describe this movie and then when it started being like oh he meant something steven meant something else in the unsettling realm so it was it was very different it was uh well speaking of different things there are a few different versions of this movie and We'll get into to why. Now, there is a version that's streaming on Tubi, and I believe that that is the uh, version that is does not include certain things that were filmed literally illegally. See, I think I think they're still in there. Okay. So, so have you seen this linked on IMDb? I found it earlier today. I was gonna I was gonna rattle it off if that's cool. Go for it. What it does is it breaks down the the, the different versions. Sure. Yeah. 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 So. So here's what it says. At least four versions of Reflections of Evil are known to exist as of November 2021. Then we got some bullet points going on here. First bullet point. The original 2002 version, self-released on DVD, runs 138 minutes. It's currently available for streaming on Tubi for free. A DVD-R, I don't know what that is, is available for blah, 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 blah. So anyway, the the 2002, according to this IMDb article, the 2002 138-minute one matches the original DVD and is 138 minutes. So yeah. The next one is an alternate 2004 cut. This is the one that's on Packard's YouTube channel, and it runs 116 minutes and features most of the overall content and structure of the 138-minute version, but with many scenes cut shorter or differently edited. Hmm. And then there is the stream, the Scream Time Films DVD release from 2016 that's 128 minutes and is currently unavailable. And then I guess there's a 90-minute version. So I think the two versions that you and I saw, Drew, were in those first two, um, unless okay. unless it was the third one. No, I, I can send I mean, you this link, too, if you want to look over it. I, I, got, I, I know that the link that Steven sent me, which is what I watched, is the definitive cut that he, you know, Packard, I think, wants people to see, and is the one that that Stephen, you know, put it on the board uh, in order for for me to watch, and and you know, you. It sounds like it sounds like you got at least a very similar cut, if not the same. Yes, one. because what what is um, yeah. Well, I'll let you I'll let you say because there's well, a reason for all of this nonsense. Well, yeah, the reason for all this nonsense is for anyone who didn't watch the movie, and I'm assuming that's quite a few of you. Yeah, unless you got Tubi. The end of this movie the climax is essentially him having a paranoid fever dream hallucinatory experience in universal studios specifically on the et uh the ride which they literally just took cameras into universal studios and filmed him having this manic episode and i guarantee you they did not get waivers from all the faces of the random you know pedestrians that are in the shots, you know, because they're literally just filming during a normal day of operation at Universal Studios. And it's it's 
It's wild shit, man. <laughs> like, I will say, you know, there was a large swath of this movie where I was just like, I want this to be over. That is one of the few spots where I was like engaged with this fully and, and like, okay, this is fucking crazy. I like, I don't know what this is, but it's something. It is, if nothing else, it can be commended for its energy and flouting the rules. And, yes. and like, and I think Steven even mentioned this to us in the M episode. I don't know if it made the cut, but he mentioned how there's a scene where literally he walks into the movie theater and starts watching like episode one of Star Wars or episode two, whatever and that it is was. in it. Yeah. That's in there. There's the Lord of the Rings trailer is playing and he's just and munching and popcorn it, and watching this. When you're, when you're seeing it, it's not like a clear image. It's clearly a video camera filming this movie screen in an yeah. actual movie. Theater. We can see the flickering of from the projector. Cause it's yes. like that sort of camera interaction. It's like, Oh shit. So he just bootlegged a movie parts of a movie like this is completely illegal so that leads me to think all many of the other choices in here such as the, the song choices and everything else i'm assuming to some degree they were all illegally obtained or pretty illegally much yeah. kind of confiscated. oh no like the the songs that they use they did not get clearance to use those songs like that is fully in violation of of you know whatever they yeah, call it, copyright there's a fucking crosby stills and nash song in here and i'm yeah. just like there's no way they could pay for this song so it was just like oh my god so you could just release something like this and get sued yeah i i mean i'm kind of speculating on that i didn't actually read anything alluding to like any legal trouble that he might have had as a result of that and it listen he spent a lot of money on this movie. So the other thing I want to really briefly mention before we get to our overall thoughts is just how this movie came into existence so Damon Packard, the filmmaker and the star of the movie, is, I, I mean, I guess he had some amount of, of film career in the 90s and, you know, was, he, he's a person who has a lot of opinions on film. And one of his opinions is that there has been no creativity in filmmaking since like the 70s. You know, his goal in, in anything that he was making was to make something like just completely off the wall and insane and like, like you know, unique. And the dude was basically homeless uh, and, and living on the streets for a long time. And he inherited a large sum of money. This, the number that I read was $500,000. And instead of using that money to get himself back on his feet and, and, you know, be off the streets, he instead spent all of that money to make this movie and distribute it. So $500,000 is not a small sum of money. And this movie does not look like it's a $500,000 movie. And I, I say that intentionally, you know, derogatorily because it looks like shit in my yeah. opinion. It looks like it's filmed on like handy cams and stuff. So maybe some of that money did go to paying Crosby, Stills and Nash and some of these other people. I doubt I, it. I doubt it. <laughs> I fucking I, doubt it. I sincerely doubt it given the yeah. attitude of this guy towards just, you know, Hollywood structure and, and law towards the and, rules. and the yeah. rules. Yeah. So like, I don't, I, you know, again, I'm just throwing that out there because I think it's fucking fascinating that this guy is this obsessed with his idea of what a movie can and should be that he is willing to sacrifice any amount of stability in his life to achieve that. So I think it is commendable in some ways, but also laughable in others where you're just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Dude, every once in a while you got to root for a pirate and, and I, who knows if we end up rooting for this guy at the end of the day, but Oh, by the way, Damon Packard is banned forever from universal studios. I should add that. <laughs> 
Maybe worth it, maybe not. You decide, and we'll decide our opinions. On Sorry, it. I interrupted. That's a, no, that's a funny, that's a funny tidbit. Tell me if you agree, Drew. I think we've laid enough groundwork here, a little, to to at least serve as some sort of a launching pad for the conversation. I kind of want to ask you first: What were your overall thoughts of Reflections of Evil? <sighs> this movie infuriated me. And I, with all due respect to Steven, and I know that he did this as a challenge and I knew, I know that he probably expects this response, but I'm still going to apologize to him because I know he loves this thing. But for me, this is the antithesis of everything that I go to a movie to enjoy. And I understand that things that you don't enjoy can have value. I fully respect that. However, do I want to spend two and a half hours of my life at any point spending it with this this person and this audio design and this, you know, video style and like like no part of this was enjoyable to me. This was an excruciating experience. And I I say that with all love because I again like I know that in some ways that's kind of the intention of this thing. But yeah, for me this is a this is a hard pass on like would I ever want to watch other stuff like this? No. So this is a super duper thumbs down for it Drew is, with with a caveat, right? Listen, you get a little little caveat? I'll 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 go even further. I'll say that I came very close to not finishing this movie. Yeah. You I want to just let the audience know you texted me. Uh, a couple nights ago, and which I like, never do. I would never no, text yeah. you during a reaction, like a reaction yeah. during a thing, because I mm-hmm. don't want to color your opinion of it in any way. Right. But with this one, I, I was just like, I, I was like, I was grasping at straws trying to figure out like, what do we, what do I do with this? <laughs> the fact that you said, I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. I, you've never said that about any movie on this show. I mean, you had you had beef to a much lesser degree with Repo Man, but I don't think you got close to shutting it off. I mean, I no. won't speak for you, but no, I, I was always going to finish that one. And and yeah, I'll tell you the the biggest reason why I didn't get close to that on that is because I knew the runtime was only like ninety minutes. So I was like, I'm going to get out of this okay. And you're thinking too, well, worst case scenario, I get some more Harry Dean. So it's like, well, exactly. there's that. So there's I'm, always going to be something. That. There. there was, there yeah. were, there were good things going on, even if I didn't love that movie. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask uh, before we get to my take on this. Other than maybe the courage and recklessness of the filmmaking, and even if that is a positive, it might not be for you. Is there, even though it was such a negative experience, is there anything you admire about this movie? Yes. Parts of the absurdist humor of this movie actually did catch me. And I was going to leave this as a section for, for the end, but I, well, let's, you, let's move it up hit, to the front. I want to move it up to you the front talk because, about it now? Okay. because this is like, I, I want to lead off with a little bit of positive here. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of bits in this movie that I found genuinely funny. The fact that he refers to his sack of, of bullshit that he carries around constantly <laughs> as his bundle and that he keeps saying like, I need my bundle. And like people keep yeah. trying to take it away from him and they're just like pulling it open and shit's flying everywhere. That made me laugh. <laughs> there were parts of the finale, like I said, that I found really genuinely interesting and enjoyable of just like this 
deplorable man, you know, stumbling through Universal Studios and terrifying families. It was just inherently funny to me, um, especially because like at no point were any of these people actually at any risk. I mean, who knows? This guy is fucking insane. So who knows? Maybe he was a, a, a real risk to these people. But, you know, you watch it and you're like, you. It's it's almost like watching like, you know, a jackass bit or like, mm-hmm. you know, bad grandpa or something where like Johnny Knoxville is, is, you know, doing deplorable things and, and shocking people. Um, I, I found some of that funny and interesting. And like, there was, there was one line, uh, when he starts to really get into the depths of the, uh, the hallucinations, uh, in the ET ride. And he like enters the ET right, and you see the clip of Steven Spielberg, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Steven Spoogelvie." <laughs> that just caught me so funny, and like the the Schindler's List, the ride bit, and just like like stuff like that. I was like, "Okay, this this guy has a sense of humor here." Right. So, you, if pressed, you would say there are some things in there that that cracked a smile. At Absolutely, least for you. no like, question. Okay, that's, but that's but specifically at the end, and you have to get yeah. through like two hours of bullshit to get there <laughs> yeah oh dude this movie is a fucking journey and a half i would i just while we're kind of hitting just a couple of surprise laughs maybe i wanted to get one where in the tubi version there's a shot of like a flock of birds nesting on a wire and they just they just kind of scatter and fly up and in the same shot it just pans down to bobby and he had just said he's just like damn it god damn it <laughs> It's like, okay, that is a funny fucking shot. Yeah, when I was seeing him, like, do stuff like that, I was like, Jared might actually be into some of this. Yeah, dude. So, yeah. So there is something here. I I don't know. I don't know. Should we we launch into me? Yeah. Tell me what you thought overall. So I took a little bit of a page out of your playbook. I watched it today. I watched it this morning. And I had planned to watch... The Tubi version last night and the version that Steven sent us via via online this morning. Because I wanted to see how different are these versions and blah, blah, blah. Last night I played some magic with some people. I ended up getting home at like 11.30. Tired from the week and I put this fucking thing on. And I'm 15 minutes into it and I'm just like, I can't. <laughs> I can't right now. Like... And I'm like, I just cannot do this energy right now. This is insane. This is, is complete and total chaos. So then I kind of restarted the Tubi version this morning mm-hmm. and was like, okay, well, I'm officially giving up on watching Steven's version of this or the version that Steven has because there's no way in hell I can watch this movie back to back. It is so challenging to sit through this movie. I thought Pi was difficult to watch this takes that the idea of a movie attacking you to another stratosphere and it is i love that comparison it's such a cage match you get into the ring with this movie and it's like i didn't know it was going to be fighting with something for a fucking two hours and 20 minutes was the length of my cut by the way Mm -hmm. it's not short it's not a short film so i'm getting bludgeoned while through this experience and it feels like homework it feels like if i was just choosing to watch this movie on my own and not for the show i would have turned it off at this point but i feel like i need to finish it so i plow and march my way through this movie i get to the end and i have 
very difficult time figuring out how I feel about this. Because on the one hand, I completely agree with what you're saying about your take. It's kind of like, fuck this. You know, like this was just a complete beating of a film. (laughs) But there is this little other voice that's saying like, well, have you ever seen anything like this? And I say, no. And then I challenge the other voice with how, how important is that? What is in the value in seeing something that you've never seen anything like, but it is so difficult to ingest? Does that mean it's inherently good? No. And not in my opinion anyway. But then as I like went out to eat. So, so before we started recording, I went and grabbed lunch. Okay. And I sit down. I'm eating a French dip at this restaurant. And I can hear the sound of my own chewing. And I was kind of hungry because I hadn't eaten yet. And I was a little being a little ravenous. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God. I can, I'm like hearing the this sounds from the movie. You. <laughs> so then I'm like, fuck. So maybe this movie, maybe this movie hit me a little bit deeper than I thought. Because hmm. like, because like, I'm like, maybe, maybe it's working on some sort of level here. So to kind of try to sum up how I feel about this movie. Overall, it's like a thumbs down because it is so difficult to get into this movie's gear. And of course, that's the point. The movie is not trying to be easy, much like Pi was not trying to be easy. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is, is it worth putting up with? My gut says no, but I'm not willing to throw the entire movie away because there were parts in it that made me laugh. There were shots where I'm like, whoa, did I just see a pretty shot? And Because like you mentioned, this movie looks like dog shit kind of but every once in a while i see a really interesting shot and a really pretty shot and be like whoa so it's like there's some there is some interesting stuff here and it is very original and very unique but at the same time i think it's a little pretentious and when it finds an idea that is unique and is different at least in the to be cut that i saw it overstays its welcome. Every good idea lingers for too long. That's the it, thing is I feel like you could take this down to an hour and a half easily. Like with, like it would be no challenge at all to get this to a 90-minute movie. And I would find a lot of that stuff more valuable if that were the case. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree because there's like – I'm thinking of that scene and, and – uh, at any point, let me know if this is a scene that doesn't sound familiar to you, just in case it wasn't in your cut. Uh, and I'll do the same because there's a chance too that. Well, I one and to be fair, I was there were parts where I was checking out of this a little bit, so I might have. How missed can something. you not, dude? Oh, let me say this before I go into more specifics. So Tubi is free, but you have to put up with ads. Yeah. For the first oh time my God. in my Adding life, ad time into this thing, dude. It's but it's not what you'd think. The ads were a break. I have never in my life been happy to see an ad. This movie is so relentless that, you know, Tubi would give you this little countdown of like, oh, ads incoming in 10 seconds. And then ads would would start and you get this very colorful, traditionally shot, mellow music bullshit ad. And it was like a break. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God. Like that I'm not, you know, being again fought. Assaulted. Assaulted. Um, So that's the only time I've ever watched something and have viewed the advertisements as like a reprieve and a lack of frustration, you know? (laughs) And again, all of this, all of what I'm saying in perhaps Stevens or someone else's perspective can be considered praise because the movie is very effective. Well, and in that way, I've already told Steven, like, I was like, 
I, I want to get a recording of him explaining what his he sees the value yes. of this as. Because I have a theory, and it'll be more fair to bounce it off of him when when he's here for the conversation, but I just want to run it by you right quick. I wonder if part of his love for this movie is because he is a filmmaker and he is just so excited to see someone just getting out there and doing it totally. and not giving a fuck. Like maybe yeah. he's more infatuated by the rebellious nature of this filmmaker. And I'd love to talk to him about that. But, uh, and that's, that's valid too, if even true. But, um, but anyway, to go into more specifics of what I was saying about, it's just squeezing too much when it gets into somewhat of an interesting idea. Do you remember the scene when he gets to his grandmother's house for the first time? He's like rummaging through her fridge and he goes to that little sunken thing and like pours his crazy cereal bowl and whatever. And then it's just like all of that shit is just too long. Everything is like every beat that the movie finds overstays its welcome and it's like the old granny, at least in my cut, for like minutes, it's like, Bobby, is that you? Bobby, Bobby. It just keeps going. And I'm like, we get it. Like, can we just please speed it up and like get to the next thing we understand? There's a scene in the diner where he wants to eat a sandwich and she's telling him not to. And like six times she's like, don't eat that sandwich, Bobby. And he's like, but I want to eat the sandwich. It's like, don't eat it, Bobby. And it just keeps and keeps going. And I'm like, kind of fuck you if, if, to anyone tell me that's the point. Because I understand that. But at the same time, it's obnoxious to the point of like really throwing me out of the experience. And I, really getting yeah. frustrated with the film. I think that's a good one to bring up. Because I think that's an example of exactly what you're talking about. Which is like the repetitive stuff. That can be really funny. Like I am fully on board with the the idea of sometimes comedy is pushing something to such an extreme that it loops back around on itself and it goes from being annoying to hysterical again. There's a million examples of that in, you know, SNL sketches and, you know, movies and whatever. But the the thing about that is in order for that to work, it has to start out as funny to get back to being funny. And that yes. and the, that one is never that. It's just like, it's just gross because it's just this this you know morbidly obese person with fucking eat, pillows eating, under eating their shirt. A, yeah, yeah, it would, exactly. <laughs> Looking so fake fat. You know? Yeah, but but like eating in the most grotesque way possible with an audio design that is just relentlessly off putting and gross and and raised to such a volume that it's inignorable. It's forced upon you. And that's the word assaulted really feels applicable when it comes to the audio of this this movie. And so like that scene is just like because it doesn't start out with you laughing, you never get to back around to being like, okay, this is this is funny or like this Yeah, is, you're like, right. The bit is is lost from the from jump. The bit was dead on arrival, and they're and now they're whipping it into the ground. In addition to that, you're right. I kind of want to do a brief detour into the audio, just because you brought it up. I have a question for you. Like, do you think this was a restriction, meaning they couldn't afford actual audio a lot of these days, so they just decided to film everything and then do oh, everything? I think that's ADR? entirely possible. Yeah, I don't. I don't know for sure, but I mean, yeah. literally everything is ADR in this, dude. It's like, and that's the only thing I could come up with. And there's always the chance, of course, that it's an artistic choice, and it was always the intention. But I'm thinking, like, I'm guessing that 
they couldn't afford audio or they didn't have someone to do it. So they just shot and shot and shot and decided to piece the story together in terms of the dialogue and everything, because they are not even, they're not even trying to have things sync up. No. Like people are speaking whose mouths aren't moving. Like people like there's all sorts of bullshit. And I would say at least in the cut I saw, that's at least 90% of the movie. There are a couple of dialogue scenes that I'm like, wait, did they actually capture dialogue? Cause this is looking pretty close. I mean, those also might be ADR'd anyway, but the most most of the movies just like good God! So this was all orchestrated in some sort of post production situation, and it adds this very sort of unsettling to kind of Stephen's buzzword for this film, which I think is appropriate, and um, kind of off putting energy to all the audio. And again, you can there's a world, and I wouldn't fight with someone necessarily if they view that as a positive. Because that's another thing I've never seen is a movie that so openly embraces the dialogue being so haphazard and so not matching what we're seeing visually that it does have a certain quality of, of putting you on your heels and throwing you off. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is the intention, but it still makes the film so fucking hard to watch. So it's like either you're into that sort of shit or you're not. But for me, the emotional reaction to a film is somewhat less important than the cerebral and maybe that's not even true but like this is just so it's so tough this movie's so fucking hard dude and the sound to your point is just dog shit <laughs> and I, I think there's some intentionality behind that but that doesn't make yeah. it a, a fun watch it in doesn't that way. forgive the sin you know and it's like i don't know it's it's just hard yeah i mean look i'll just i'll i'll list off a few of the things in this movie that pissed me off or like that i hated um <laughs> I hated the use of dogs in this movie. I'm a dog owner. It's it was really upsetting to see him just like antagonize dog after dog and like that I was like that's just fucking unnecessary. Like what are we what are we doing with that? Like what what is what is the point? And that's what I asked myself throughout this fucking movie. Um the complete lack of a narrative. Like I I know that there is technically some like semblance of a narrative in terms of this you know broken guy who's been fucked up by like his mom and you know his sister died of a pcp overdose and you know she's like haunting him i i know that that's there but it's like it's so fucking threadbare and it like barely ever like intersects with what's happening on screen so you never really feel like it's anything driving a story forward i i'm i'm all for breaking the form and like trying new things but like this is like there's nothing to hang on to here. It's just it's just empty. Yeah, and it's and again, the problem with these fucking movies is you can always say that's the point. But it's like it's just a kettle of disappointment for this character. It's just constant frustration and constant like like there does seem to be no real story. And it's funny too when you google this movie and you read the little synopsis that automatically comes up. It first mentions Bobby's sister, I think it's Jesse, I want to say, is the character's name in the film. I could be wrong about that. But Bobby's sister, in the fir- like the first sentence is like, this person dies of an overdose in the 70s and is like haunting her, bl- her brother in the early 90s or something like that. We don't get to the sister character till like halfway through this movie. So it's like, I think it's a shitty synopsis. Well, it does she not- shows up at the very beginning, but like yeah, That's there's true. no like, context like- for it. But we don't know she's a ghost or she's died or anything. She's just in this weird dress and she's running around. But the movie 
has already had this crazy intro even before that, which I actually do really like the very beginning of this movie. I yeah, that was kind of funny. funny. That was pretty good. But like, um, yeah, but we don't we don't see her again until the flashback to Bobby's childhood, if I'm remembering correctly, at least in my cut. And like, so I think the plot synopsis is really kind of uh, misdirecting because for the first 45 minutes of this movie, we're just like in Bobby's shoes day after day living through the abuse and the ridicule and the like the despair and it's like where is this story quote unquote of this PCP overdose that I accidentally read the snippet of when I was googling this movie to try to find it and it's like and also without having that snippet I was, kicking around I was my just head, gonna say yeah I don't know if I would have picked up on like any of that the only no. clue we get to the fact that she died is that confrontation she has with that other guy who's like you died he literally says like you died of an overdose you died of an overdose and then she runs away from him but like that's it and without having that synopsis as a north star I probably would have missed that and had no idea what was happening at the end None. of this movie like it's so fucking confusing I also hate like just the constant anger and hate and just bile that is being spewed out constantly in this movie. Like there's nothing less pleasant to me than listening to someone scream for two hours, fuck you. And just like, like it's like I curse like a sailor. Like I, I don't fucking care about like nasty language. It doesn't matter. But like, but it's just like fucking like have a point to it. Like what, again, it's just like, why? What yeah, are we doing? Again, over and over. Like you show it a couple times, it's like, oh, that's interesting. The world is a hostile place, and there is a lot of bullshit, and people are tensions are running high in the universe. Like you can be, you can say that, but I don't need to see it over and over and over again. And tying it to your point about the dog angle to this movie, and I, unlike you, I am not a huge dog guy. I'm either indifferent to dogs. Every once in a while, I meet a dog that I really like, and I'm like, okay, this is a cool dog. And this is a dog that's like making other dogs make sense to me. But for the most part, just passing a dog in the world, like I don't really give a shit. And then when they start, <laughs> when they start popping off, I get annoyed at the dog. And so I kind of get where this character is coming from because sometimes when a dog is just barking and being annoying, there is a part of me that just wants to get up in its face and be annoying back to it because it's so obnoxious. Um, so Sounds like a this, really, really healthy way to deal with this. I don't, I don't do it, but I mean, the dog lovers out there do not admit enough to the, to the annoying components of dogs. Well, the annoying components of dogs are when you have annoying owners who don't like keep their dog in check or like, like have their dog well-trained or whatever. Like, but what upsets me about this is that like, it, is, is thinking, well, is thinking about like the making of this. And it's like, these dogs are just dogs. Like they don't know what the fuck is going on. And this guy is screaming at them. And like, they're, they're like, you know, trying to defend themselves. They're like going into protective mode. And like, like, that's not, that's not good for the dog. And like, they, like they don't, again, like they have no concept of what the fuck is going on. And it's just like, it's upsetting to watch this person antagonize a dog unnecessarily. Oh, you're right. And it's like, um, we don't know this for sure, but, but giving the filming style of this movie and the way they seem to have gone about making it, I think it's safe to assume that these are not like production dogs. No. And these are not like dog owners who are involved in the creek because no. it's so sh it's shot so guerrilla style that it's likely just real people in the world with their dogs 
and and they're filmed from across the street, kind of like in a jackass way, like you mentioned earlier. I really think that was an excellent comparison to this movie. From that perspective, I can see your point of just being like, these dogs are not involved in this movie, and they're getting roped into this aggressive situation for the sake of some piece of art that's just hitting me over the head with a fucking rolling pin every two seconds, you know? Yeah, and I mean, kind of along the same exploitative lines, I don't know how like what went into capturing some of this stuff. Like, and I don't want to like, I don't want to make unfounded accusations, but the way that the movie exploits the use of like mentally ill and houseless people is really upsetting. And, you know, you referenced that bit earlier of like, you know, when they've got the Crosby stills Nash song, or is that the one they they use another famous song at one point when they're just showing these, these guys living on the street that are like having fights and like fights and, and, and like yeah. some mm-hmm. sort of, of psychological break is, is like being, you know, depicted on screen. Now they could be actors, but it felt very real. And it felt like they were just on the street, saw this person. And we're like, we're going to put this in the movie. And that's when it starts to cross the line from being rebel cinema, where it's like pirating, you know, million dollar production movies, like whatever. Like, I don't care about that. But, when it comes to like actual people being exploited in that way, that's when I start to be like, no, go fuck yourself. This is, this is, this is like, it feels wrong. Now would you, now what if they were actors? Because I do think like that is a little bit of this word's bigger than I intended to be, but a little bit of this movie's magic, if it has any, is that we do get into these situations that are like jackass like, and they're just like, oh, my God, they just went on to this bus and are just filming this uh, disgusting character annoy everyone and nobody else is in on the joke. And we as an audience member seemingly are are with this and we're like, oh, my God, this is so cringy. This is so they really did this. They went on this bus and they filmed that. But then there were other times where like interactions of people in the streets that seemed fake to me. Yes. Because they didn't really seem to have a lot like people would like lock arms, but they wouldn't really fight. They would kind of like aggressively dance, you know, meaning it looked like fake fighting. So I think there is a lot of like planned and orchestrated and quote unquote acted out sort of stunts interpersonally in this film. But what I think the movie does smartly is they also sprinkle in these real ones, Mm -hmm. not necessarily fights, but real interactions in the real world. To the point where I start questioning which ones are real and which ones are staged. And the lines get a little fuzzy. And I do think that is something worth saying because, like, I don't know. Like, you remember that montage where it's pretty early on in the movie and he keeps getting shot down from selling his watch? It's like a, it's like, and like a, it's probably 15 no's kind of bunched together within a 30 second. It's shot period. from a wide and they just kind of like have yeah. him like going down. Like, yeah. And, and going you can into, tell that they're probably just real people. Yeah, and he's like sometimes he's going into like restaurants and going into different things. And and in this, I will say this in defense of the movie too, it really does put you in the shoes of like being so unwanted by society. And everywhere sure. you go, you're getting kind of pushed away, told to move along, uh, thrown out. Like that is pretty depressing. And it was interesting to kind of quote unquote witness that. But um, in that sort of montage where he keeps trying to sell watches and keeps getting waved away, they have so many shots of people like waving him. And I think my impression of it is that's a blend of orchestrated and not orchestrated. I think it's a mix of uh, restaurants he actually walked into and 
people told them to get the fuck out of there. And I think it's a mix of planned scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong about that, but that's what it looked like to me. And I think that is something that's kind of cool about this movie. I can't believe I'm almost talking myself into this movie. It is so such a pain in the ass, but but it does have a couple of tricks up its sleeve, and it does have some things going for it, in my opinion. But I think I tend to agree with you. If those people were really fighting on the street uh, and were not involved, they're not quote unquote in on the joke of the film, and the movie's just like, hey, let's just film that and throw it in there. Like that's that's uh, that's kind of obnoxious, I guess, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not willing to give it quite as much credit as it sounds like you are for that. Um, but I do, I, I see what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of my my list of, of like the major things that I really found unappetizing about this movie. Um, <laughs> nice word. <laughs> I think the only other, the only other thing is, is what we've already kind of referenced multiple times is just the overall fucking length of this thing. Like why, why is it two and a half hours? Well, you wrote down on our on our uh, outline for today, indulgence. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it goes in a lot of directions. I guess I wasn't trying to be too cute with the word choice, but what I meant by that, and we've kind of tapped into it a little bit, but I meant the uh, overplaying of bits and just indulging and being like, hey, we can do this camera trick and we can do this thing and warp this face, and it's just over and over and over. And I think this movie even though I've kind of been, I've painted myself into a corner of defending it at the same time, at the end of the day, it just overplays every hand it gets. And every time it does something interesting, it just takes it too far. And I'm like, okay, now I, I, you got me on your side for a half a second and now you're pushing me away again by just overdoing it. And again, I think that that can, a lot of the photography in this movie and a lot of the editing choices, like in a lot of the the storylines that seem to have nothing to do with anything, like that old couple on the couch watching ABC, like they have nothing to do in this movie. They don't really, I, I cut them out of there. Like it's just, it's just the movie is so self-indulgent and so like, Hey, we're making a movie about energy and we're trying to bring you to this dark place and tap into paranoia. It's like, yeah, you are, but it's, it's, it's annoying. And like the movie is just like, it's just it's just whacking off. It's just whacking off a bit too much from my taste. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's tough. It's so tough. Yeah, I mean, I think we're maybe even rounding the bend on this thing. Because uh, <laughs> I, just, I just don't know what else there is to talk about. But I do want to, I do want to unpack something. I, I didn't, I was not able to pinpoint what this movie wanted us to think it was saying about Steven Spielberg. Were you able to unpack that? <laughs> No, not not fucking at all. Not at all. Um, uh, like part of me um, thinks this. Like, I will say the guy playing Spielberg looked pretty good. Yeah, and they even had the dangling like lens thing that Spielberg used to do back in the day. And I I assume they just illegally poached audio snippets of the actual Spielberg and just kind of laid them in there. You know, I would be willing to bet that they're being pulled from. Um like behind the scenes feature yeah. on, on the DVDs and what exactly. I think, I think that's exactly what it is. And so in that regard, I thought it was actually a pretty good optical illusion with this guy's playing young Spielberg running around and they're using actual young Spielberg's voice. And they have the whole like crew kind of turning on him. So, I mean, I think you could maybe make an argument that it's saying that like, um, 
young genius overplays its hand, or you could uh, make an argument that the movie is saying like young genius is not accepted or is feared by people um, who don't understand it. Or you, or you could just be saying that Steven Spielberg's kind of an asshole and would keep filming if someone got electrocuted. Or you could say Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg is a great artist because he continues to roll when someone gets electrocuted. I don't know. I have no idea what it's trying to say. But it looks like it's taking the piss out of him at the end of the day. Well, That's what I, think. I think it in some ways circles back to what I mentioned about Damon Packard at the beginning of the episode, which is like his views of modern cinema and how devoid of creativity it is. And I think, you know, using Steven Spielberg, you know, if I'm if I'm guessing at what he's getting at, you know, using Steven Spielberg as this totem of you what's know, wrong? What's exactly like yeah. like how where everything went wrong with with cinema? You know, I can see that being the point, but like again, it's just like give me something. Like 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 don't make me do these these crazy mental gymnastics to try and get to what you're saying about this thing. Despite you and I's inability to understand what is trying to be said there with the Steven Spielberg portions. Did you like them at all? Did you find them funny or no? No. See, I must admit, I thought they were funny and I, I kind of liked it. I think I was just so upset with having <laughs> experience spent that amount of time to get to that, that yeah. nothing there was doing it for me. Yeah. It is just such a challenging fucking movie. It just won't let you like it. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, it's it's not anything at all. It's just nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think like I, I heard you kind of getting close to talking yourself into the movie, but really it's just like there the, yeah, you can find you can find good in things because I mean I think we've become champions of finding good in everything on this show, which is I, I, I like I take pride in that that we're like, you know, even the things that we don't like, I think we both are able to find something to latch on to. And I'll do that with certain parts of this movie, you know, like, like I said, like I think I do think that the climax with the universal studio stuff is uh, genuinely fairly, you know, pretty entertaining and, and is worth seeing in terms of just like the audacity of what he's doing, but it's not, it doesn't save the movie by any means. There's no part of me that will say this is a good movie or worth anyone's time. I'll tell you this. I don't see a world where I recommend this to anybody. And I'm not, that's not a shot at Steven. Um, you know, Steven suggested a very interesting movie for us to discuss. And I there think was intentionality he, behind it. Yeah. He okay wanted with. to give us a challenge and get a super deep cut and see what we think about it, you know? And I, I, I like him for giving us this choice, but I'm just thinking in terms of like my personal life, I'm trying to picture a person that I know where I'm like, Oh, this is, this would be right up their alley. And it's just like, there's no one. I can't think of anybody. Um, but um, I do have to mention something that the movie captures better than any movie I've seen capture this feeling. And it is one of the biggest sources of frustration in my life. When I'm talking frustration, I just mean daily annoyance. And this, well, this one really gets under my skin. And the example I'll give you, Drew, is you know that feeling maybe you've gone car camping for a weekend or something like that, and you get back to your house. If you're in a situation like me living in Atlanta, I live on the second story of an apartment, and I got stairs. And you look back 
in the backseat of your car and you've got your tent and a cooler, and a bunch of bullshit. And you think to yourself, I can do it in one shot. I don't want to, especially on like a Sunday, all you want to do is get up to your little crow's nest or into your little resty spot, take a shower and put something on TV and not leave the house again. That's at least my feeling on returning from camping. So I always overshoot and try to get everything in one run to the apartment and I'll just grab everything. And that feeling of like <laughs> things spilling and like my pants starting to fall down and I can't hike them up because I'm, I'm full of my hands are full of bullshit. I hate that feeling. It gives me anxiety and it like annoys me. And I this movie was totally bringing me to that place. Watching him deal with his bag that you mentioned earlier, and there's like things spilling off of him. There's all these Walkmans hanging off of him and stuff. It's like that is something in life that I find really annoying. And I actually think the movie tapped into that feeling really well of just like being overburdened with a bunch of objects and bullshit. And like it's spilling out and falling down. I don't know. I, I actually liked that part of this movie. Yeah. Like I said, like the, the, uh, the bundle bits were were doing it for me. Yeah, you like the bundle bits. You bundle like the bits. bundle bits. And on that positive note, shall we wrap up on Reflections of Evil? Yeah, I think so. I'm just doing a quick little uh, breeze through my notes to see if there's anything I missed. Um, <clears throat> the shots of the sister running through the amusement park after the E.T. ride stuff, where she's kind of on her by herself and looking for him. Mm-hmm. I found some of those shots sneakily beautiful. I was like, this is kind of weird that she's alone in this amusement park and they're really there. And, you know, we can imagine how they're filming this. And I did think the ending was kind of good. That, like, to be continued and, like, I don't know. I was kind of like, that's not terrible. As much as I was hating the movie, I kind of liked the ending. That didn't do anything. But to your point about the sneakily beautiful shots, there, I, I didn't get that feeling throughout that sequence but there was one shot that i did remember being like oh wow that's actually kind of cool yeah was it the roller coaster yeah exactly so you see the roller coaster come in the camera pans down and she kind of like walks into frame and looks around and then the camera tilts back up at exactly the right time to capture the train and there's it's not like there's no point of it where the camera move is like jerky like oh shit we gotta catch this it's it's very calculated and smooth like they timed it out and and i think like yeah, I, I was like, that's actually really fucking cool. Yeah, no, it's like surprisingly pretty at times. But that was the only one that I can really pinpoint that I that I felt that way about. Also, is it a zombie movie? It's just a little... Is, is that a question? Is this a straight-up zombie film? What do you mean? I don't know. The, 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 the type of gore, the way people are moving about the world, the arguments, the sound effects, it's just like... It's like, it's like a zombie movie. <laughs> no, you're not far off. And I mean, like, the... The gory bits, like of like, uh, yeah, the blood you know, splatters, yeah, and, and then like you know the vomit just like looks like fucking you know yeah. innards and shit. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, and I'll just say this really quick: um, this movie does not call for top brutes. We can't overdo top brutes. We're not no, going to do it. It's no. only when a movie calls for it. But I do have a mini version. I wanted to ask you, Drew, what is the grossest interaction of food? to you in this movie like it just straight pop in your head you don't have to do a big list but was there one where you're like god that is so gross i started to turn away from them at a certain point so there may be a few that i i'm i'm overlooking but the one that jumps out in my memory is the one you referenced earlier in the diner um where he just like keeps just like munching on like 
you know, sandwich meat and weird shit. I, I don't know. It's just like the, the sound design and, and the image of him just like shoveling shit into his face is, was, was gross. So gross, dude. Those chewy sounds. I'm just going to go with, there's one point he's eating like, again, this is the tubey cut, like a cake with strawberries on the top of it on the streets. And he's so vulturous. Oh, yeah, he actually like goes that. and like attacks it straight up without Oof. the fork. I'm like, this is so gross. Yeah. And then the other one was the whipped cream and the cereal. He's like putting like whipped cream in his ah so there's so many gross things about this fucking movie man but hey if you're into that thing so be it um, don't let us yuck your yum it's on Tubi if you want to go out there and try to confront this movie and deal with it um, and you truly are it. confronting this movie <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta sit down pour yourself a stiff bourbon. And lock eyes with it because Grapple. it's like staring down a fucking grizzly bear. This movie just get ready to and, lock arms with this thing. Yeah, but I will say it's an emotional experience and one of frustration and anxiety and obnoxiousness. So if you're in the mood for that sort of thing, tap into it with this movie is what I would say. But overall, I would say a movie I have no intention on ever seeing again. I don't no. think. No, I, I don't care to watch this ever again. Well. That's going to do it on Reflections for, <laughs> Reflections of Evil. Um, shall we get something new on the board? Yeah, let's get let's get something up there, dude. It's your week. I put on Seven Days in May last week, so what do you got for us this week? So I was a little torn between two options. One was a fun shamer that is, is, is on my list. I'm trying not to be too influenced by what has happened the last two weeks. You know, having Tatan and then follow it up with this movie... I was thinking like, I really just want a palate cleanser and I want something like a normal, like give me a normally movie. But then I look at our board and we've got a lot of normalish movies on we there. Do. It's just, it's just the way things have shook out recently with Pi, M, like Tatan, this, these are all fairly recent movies. They're all somewhat challenging to various degrees. And it's just, has just been the way the dart has spoken. So the board is still diverse, so I don't want that to lean into my opinion too much. So I am not choosing my crowd-pleasing popcorn-y shamer. I'm going a different route with this. You and I have been talking uh, in the pre-record chats about Werner Herzog, and I've just started really getting into him, and I've seen a couple of his films. I've really liked him. Herzog, for those who might not know, he does both narrative and documentaries. I mean, they're very different filmmakers, but I always think of Jonathan Demme when I think from like an American perspective, someone who's really good at both making docs and, and narrative features. This is a movie that Werner Herzog is in, and it's about him, but he did not direct it. Have you ever heard of Burden of Dreams? I have, but I've never, I don't really know much about it, and uh, I've definitely never seen it. Okay, cool. So, Burden of uh, Dreams? Burden of Dreams. It's available. I, I checked it out before, uh, and we'll do the proper full streaming check whenever we hit this movie, but it is something that's obtainable. And it's a documentary from the 80s. Herzog made this movie. Once again, he went into the jungle, and it was just considered to be one of the uh, biggest risks and like a kind of a production nightmare, and someone was there documenting it. Well, okay. So just... Just to play devil's advocate here. Uh, should we watch the film itself, are you going to say? That's what I was going to say. I get that. Because I I really want to watch Fitzcarraldo. It's a movie that people, the, the movie that he is making in the documentary that Jared is is wanting to put on the board, 
The movie is called Fitzcarraldo, and it's about a uh, person who tries to uh, lift a boat over a mountain. And they literally just did that for the movie. And so this documentary is about that. It's about the making of that movie, which was... And and this choice of mine that I'm going for is partly inspired by seeing uh, Hearts of Darkness, the Apocalypse Now documentary about the making of that film, and the fact that we've never done a documentary. So to acknowledge what you said, Drew, about like, we should probably see the movie itself too, let me pitch this to you. You can wave it off if you think it's too ambitious. What if we do a twofer here? Or if we hit this, we it's a double episode of seeing the movie itself and the documentary about the making of it. How do you feel about that? Because I'm most excited about the documentary part, but I get what you're saying. It would be weird to see the documentary without seeing the movie. No. I'm down for it. Cool. Let's let's. Do I mean, that the movie then. the movie itself is two and a half hours. So, mm-hmm. and, and then the documentary is another hour and a half. So we're talking about four hours of movie that we're committing to. Probably will be a one time watch. For both of us, probably, you know? but I'm um, I'm down for it. Let's let's. Do I'm down it. for it too. How are and we like, going to list it on the board, though? Are we listing it as Burden of Dreams, or are we listing it as Fitzcarraldo, or are we listing it as both? I think since you're the one who always reads the list, my gut says Burden of Dreams. I think it's easy. Fitzcarraldo is a stumbling block, <laughs> and um, but if you want to be, it's up to you. But I would I, I would I'm going to say Fitzcarraldo slash Burden of Dreams. I really wanted to, just to circle back really quick to Burden of Dreams, really want to get a doc on there. So that's my primary focus, but um, I am down to watch the movie with it too because it does seem silly to do it without it. All right, sounds good. So at number three, we've got Fitzcarraldo slash Burden of Dreams going on. They're the same year, so it makes sense. Yeah, and it's and I think it's kind of fun to do a double feature. We've never really done that on Dartboard New Movie Night officially. And it'd be kind of cool. And I think it'd be a fun thing to watch together. Beautiful. All right. Well, to recap the board before we throw that dart. At number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. Number two, Ikiru. Number three, Fitzcarraldo slash Burden of Dreams. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Night Moves. Number 14, The Karate Kid. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days in May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, The Terminator. I want something easy. Give me something easy, dude. Easy oh, let me viewing. Add. Righty or lefty? Righty. Do you care? Righty? All right. That was my answer. Perfect. I didn't want this. I didn't want this. I already know what just happened. What is it? You hit number three. I did. Back to back. I wish we could buck the dart. I okay. really don't right. want to watch this movie right now. <laughs> but hold on, hold on. Just speaking practically, if we're doing this on Monday, I can't watch four hours of movies before Monday. Like I just physically do not have the time. Do we rethrow? Do we buck? Well, here's the my thought. How about we rethrow? But we're only pushing this by a week. So whatever we hit this time, the dart the next time is three. The other thing we could do is split it. 
We could split it over two weeks. We could do Fitzcarraldo this week and then the following week. Oh, too. I don't mind that idea, actually. That right, sounds kind of interesting. How about that? A double feature. We do like do part that? one, part two. Yeah, okay. because right. I feel bad about pushing. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. I like that idea because I, I would love to watch Fitzcarraldo. Now that we've been talking about Herzog all day, like yeah. I kind of love that idea. 1982's Fitzcarraldo. We're starting there next week. Currently available to stream on Peacock. And Canopy, Drew's beloved Canopy. Everywhere else is pay to rent, but it should be a, we should be able to track it down. And then we're going to be following that up with a .5 almost bonus episode with the Burden of Dreams making of documentary. I kind of I love this. This is like a, yeah. a unique thing that we're doing. And who knows if we'll ever do it again, but I do love the idea of having two parts of a greater whole that we're covering over the course of two weeks. That's kind of cool. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Next week, it'll be Fitzcarraldo. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mike. Late up. <laughs> <laughs>